You are listening to content from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. For more information, you can find us on the web at ChristOurHopeAnglican.org. And now, here's today's message. Um, so, and it, it is so good, again, to be here with you all this morning, both those of you who are here in person with us and those of you who are here on joining us online. If you're visiting us today, then we are new at Christ Our Hope together. Um, I've been anticipating this moment for about a month now, but my family just moved to Fort Collins uh, from Littleton last weekend, and this is my first Sunday getting to preach and lead here at the church. Somebody asked me before church if I was feeling nervous, and I wasn't until we did the Gloria, because I had flashbacks to when I was in college and I tried to take guitar lessons, and the very first homework assignment that I got from my um, guitar teacher was to get rhythm, because he just looked at me and laughed at me. Um, and so I, I carried one of those little shakers around with me for like six months, where like every time a song came on the radio, I would try to go along with the shaker to be able to develop a sense of rhythm. Um, and it was somewhat successful. So, um, but, but coming back where I have to, to be clapping in rhythm in front of the entire congregation just brought me back to that moment just a little bit. Um, my family and I are working hard at getting settled into our new home, but the boxes are still scattered around the house, and so it's very much a work in progress. And I just want to say thank you again. I, I think I said this last week and this week again. I just want to say thank you for all of the hospitality that you have shown us. We appreciated the personalized welcome basket that was waiting for us, the meals you brought, and many of the conversations that we have already shared with people. We feel very loved here at Christ Our Hope already. I'm looking forward to getting to know all of you better in the days ahead. Right now, I feel like a gardener who has inherited a plot of soil that's been sown with a variety of seeds. There are perhaps a few hints as to what the garden might contain, but I don't really know what all has been planted yet. I do know that it has been lovingly planned, and that if I nurture the ground that has been entrusted to me, that I will be both astonished and delighted at the variety of beauty and life within it. There is rich soil here. I have gotten glimpses of that beauty already in the conversations that you've shared with me, the stories that you told me about yourself and about the church, and hearing about how God has worked in each one of your lives, how he has brought you to this place is one of the great joys of being a pastor. And though I've heard only a few of those stories so far, I know that each of you has your own story of how God has planted you in this particular garden. And each of your stories are unique. That's one of the beauty of gathering together as the church is we have this wide variety of stories that come together, that collect as we gather as God's people. But of course, there are certain elements that are also constant when we gather as God's people, when we tell stories as people who have been impacted by the gospel. In Paul's letter to the Romans that we read in the New Testament reading today, um, throughout that letter, before we get to the passage that we were at today, there were are many of these reminders of the constants of who we are, the pieces of our story that we have in common. Paul was writing to a church that was struggling with whether there was truly one gospel for both Jews and Gentiles, whether they were really all planted in the same garden or whether God perhaps tilled up the old soil to plant something new. And so there's this word all that occurs throughout the whole book of Romans, over and over again, when Paul is writing to them, he keeps on hitting upon this theme that this is true for all of you. In Romans 1.16, Paul states the main idea of the letter, sort of the thesis statement of the gospel, is that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to all who have faith. 
None of us has been saved apart from the good news about what God has done for us through Jesus. In Romans 3.23, he tells us another thing we have in common. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In Romans 8.32, he reminds us that God did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us. And shortly before the passage that was read this morning, which was out of Romans 12, in Romans 11.32, Paul says that God has imprisoned all in disobedience. In other words, once again, all have sinned, so that he may be merciful to all. The New Testament reading from this morning gives some instructions about how we are to live as the church. But those instructions follow this repeated reminder throughout Paul's letter of the constants in our story that speak to the very heart of who we are. We are here today, gathered together. Whether you're here in this room or whether you're watching online, we are here today because we are a people who have received the mercy of God. Paul makes that reminder explicit at the beginning of this section, at the start of chapter 12, when he gives us instructions where he says that he is going to give us instructions about how to live by the mercies of God to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. Our motivation for our behavior is because of the mercy that God has shown to us, because of who we are as a people gathered together as a result of that mercy. We come this morning and from, we're from different stages of life. We have little children, we have lots of adults, and we're all here at different, different times in our life, different parts of our stories. We're gathered together with different political views, which is kind of radical in this day and age to have different political views gathered together in the same room in love with one another. Some of us are wealthy and some of us are poor. There's tremendous beauty in the variety of stories that we have to tell. But we are united by this fact. We have all sinned, but God has had mercy on all of us. And it is because we have been shown mercy, because we have been forgiven of our sins and renewed with the gift of the Spirit of God, that we can fulfill the command that was given to us in the reading today, to let love be genuine. The rest of the verses from today's reading really unpack what that means. What does it look like practically for us to let love be genuine? But if we're to read them rightly, if we're to understand what Paul is telling us to do, we have to remember who we are. We are a people who have been shown the mercy of God. In this context, when Paul says to abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good, he's not primarily at this point telling us to judge the evil that is out there in the world. God knows that there's enough of that. But here he's warning us about our own hearts. There are times when the road of discipleship is hard and sin can begin to look attractive. It promises to satisfy our desires, maybe gossip to sate our curiosity, or gluttony to fill our hunger, lust to ward off loneliness, greed to offer us security. All of these promises are empty. Sin never leads to real satisfaction. Don't be seduced by the false promises. Turn from it. Hate it. The word that Paul uses here about hating evil is very strong. It's a very strong word. Uh, the ESV that we read today says abhorrent, which is, is, is a good way to, to, to put that. And cling to the one who is always good. Cling to the mercies of God because he is good. Paul also tells us to love with mutual affection and outdo one another in showing honor. God's mercy does not merely restore us to relationship with him. It places us in community with those whom he has also redeemed. 
just like the families that we are born into, we don't get to choose those whom God calls into this family. Not everyone who God brings into this family is someone we would have chosen as a friend. But we are called to love one another just the same. Not with a begrudging tolerance, but with a genuine affection for one another. No matter what else we can say about someone in the church, we know this. They are one whom God called by his mercy, just as he called you and me. The next verse tells us, do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Again, the memory of God's mercy and kindness should produce in us an active engagement with God. We are not called merely to stop sinning as if the, the life ends at that point that we are called to salvation. We are called to a new life and to participate fully in that life that he offers. He's called us to that new life. Let us live it. Let us serve him. Let us pursue him in personal devotion, in, in our worship that we gather together. And the promise in this new life is not that it will be easy. It will not be easy. In fact, we're promised that we will suffer. But it will be filled with joy because we are called to rejoice in hope, to be patient in tribulation, to be constant in prayer. The Bible does not hide the fact that life as a Christian may be difficult. We will still suffer because of the sin and brokenness in the world. We'll still suffer because of the sin and brokenness in us. And we will often suffer further in the name of Christ. But we can, once again, in these difficult moments, recall who we are, a people on whom God has shown mercy, a people he has called and gathered to himself. What he has begun, he will surely finish. No matter how difficult things we get, we know that Jesus is Lord. We know that if only we endure, there will be a day when there is no more pain, no more tears, no more virus, no more masks, no more injustice. So where others give in to fear, we can live in hope. Where others grow weary, we can endure, being patient and suffering. Where others despair, we can lift our troubles to God in prayer and know that he will be with us, that he hears us always. And because we know that God has been generous with us, we can be generous with others. We can, as Paul says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. We can give our money and time to care for others, not begrudgingly, but joyfully, because we know that all we have has been given to us by God. He has been gracious to us in his gifts, first in our salvation, but in everything we have in this life. All of it comes as a gift from him. We receive it as a gift, and so we can give freely. People of Christ our hope, in the short time that I have been with you, I've already seen much of this genuine love reflected in the way that you treat one another. I've seen you care for the sick, give to the poor, be fervent in prayer. I've seen you show genuine hospitality to me, and I've heard tales of how you've extended that same hospitality to others. I've seen you walk through difficult times without losing hope. I've seen you endure much loss of building, pastor, and even gathering together for a while with a continued commitment to love one another in the name of Christ. Well done, good and faithful servants of the Lord. Well done. I wish that I could tell you that things were going to be smooth sailing from this point forward, but that wouldn't be true. 
there are still rough seas ahead. We're still trying to figure out how to gather safely in the midst of a pandemic. We're going to have technical issues on Sunday morning sometimes. We're entering to what looks to be one of the most divisive election seasons in recent memory. And for many in the body, there are still losses to grieve from the season that you have just passed through. These days ahead won't be easy. But I do believe they will be good because God is faithful. He has called us together out of his great mercy. And he has filled us with his spirit so that we can fulfill this command. Let love be genuine. While politics grow more divisive, we can love one another with mutual affection. As the world grows weary of making sacrifices to care for others, we can be patient in suffering. When those outside of the church despair, we can rejoice in hope. For we know that our Redeemer lives. We know that Christ is Lord. We know that he has saved us. He has called us to be part of his people, and he will see his good work to its completion. And while we wait for that day of completion, we already have much to celebrate. Whenever we gather in worship together, it is a time for joyful remembrance of what God has done. And there are not only dark days ahead. There's much good work that, Father is, that the Father is doing in the world and in our community. I'm excited by the ways that he will continue to help us grow in love toward one another. I'm excited about new opportunities to gather together as we figure out what small groups might look like in this coming season. I'm excited about the mission that he has given us. We will continue to seek the Father in worship, in one another, and the world. And with God's help, I believe we will flourish in this garden where he has placed us and be a place of rest and restoration for many who are weary. And as we do so, as we live into our identity as a people whom God has gathered through his mercy and grow in love for one another, we have an opportunity to share this life we have been given with the world. The second part of the passage that was read today is all about, all about how the church interacts with the world. When we are persecuted, we will bless others. When the world rejoices over things that are truly good, we will rejoice with them. When the world weeps over the brokenness and sorrow that they continue to see, we'll join them in that too. We will not seek vengeance, but we will trust God for justice. Right now, our nation is facing many signs of division and brokenness. Many people are living in fear. Fear of the wrong politician being elected. Fear of the coronavirus and what that's going to mean for them and their families. Fear of an economic downturn and whether or not they'll continue to be able to provide. Fear of injustice or unrest impacting them and their family. Often, what happens in our country is that this fear is turned outward into disgust and anger at politician or groups of people who aren't following the right rules or those who culture that we don't understand. As the church, we have an opportunity to show a different way, a way of love instead of fear. There are lots of ways that we can communicate this gift of love to the world. One of those ways that we can do so that I think is especially important right now is by watching our tongues. Instead of speaking curses toward the other, toward the people who are different than us, and towards those we don't understand, we can speak words of blessing and hope. Instead of demonizing or dismissing everything that the other side does or cares about, we can rejoice when they do something wise and lament when those they care about are harmed. 
And if we're going to develop this habit of having a good tongue, of speaking blessings of others, then we have to do it not only when we're in public and people are hearing the words that we're saying out of our mouth. We have to do it in private as well. We need to develop habits as a people who pray fervently for the good of all. That means we pray for the politicians that we don't like. And we pray for the politicians that we do. It means we pray for people who are suffering in fear of the coronavirus, and we pray for those who are perhaps dismissive of it. We pray for those who are facing injustice. We pray for those who are fearful of social unrest. We pray for all. We seek the good of all as the church because we are a people who have been shown great mercy. We are gathered together, not because of anything that we have done, because of any particular good in us, but because God has chosen to show us mercy and call him to him, uh, himself. And if he can show us mercy, if he can gather us together into a people, can he not do the same for others? Is there anyone who is beyond the love of Christ? No. Let us pray fervently for the good of the world. Let us speak good words of good news. Be a people who carry the gospel. Be a people who are, live up to the name of this community, that live up to the idea that Christ is our hope. And so in darkness, we hold to the one true light that never fades. And we look to him and remember who we are. A people gathered together from God's mercy. A people called to love. Amen. This sermon is an audio ministry from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. To learn more about us, please visit us on the web at www.christourhopeanglican.org.